This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Steel Curtain Network. Speaking of Beacons! Speaking of Beacons! Speaking of Beacons! Hey, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, one of the hosts of the postgame show as the Steelers win for the first time in Seattle since 1983. The day, the year I was born was the last time that they won in Seattle. Nonetheless, Steelers win. They do it in dominant fashion, and it was a fun game to watch. Joining me as always, we'll talk about it all. Dave Schofield, Dave, what's going on? Hey, this was just a nice time. I had my uh, second annual dip party going on during this game where we do a bunch of food, but they all have to be dips, and uh, which was really good for football. And just had a great time with friends and family, getting a Steelers win, and just feeling good about the way this team is playing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Brian Davis, welcome to the show. Well, I just got concerned. I thought the Schofields were having a tobacco party when he was talking about dip. So good. Yeah. I'm glad it's like sour cream and onion. Um, hey, I tell you what, sour cream and onion is a beautiful thing. I love it. It tastes good, but it doesn't taste as good as this Steeler victory today. Wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Steelers win. This is this is a really uh, fun one. And I got to be honest, the last two weeks have been really, really different and a lot of fun and the Steelers keep their playoff hopes alive. Let's talk about this right out of the gate before we get to knee-jerk reactions or anything like that. Steelers are still alive. Here's what needs to happen to make the playoffs. Oh, my gosh, Brian. Are you all right? First thing we need is for Brian's house to not fall over. Can we have a, uh, well, a, a wellness check on Brian, please, in aisle three? Okay. <laughs> okay. Nothing so. but professionalism, my friends. <laughs> all right. So 
here's what the Steelers need to have happen. They need to win next week in Baltimore. Baltimore locked up the number one seed, the AFC North today by beating the Miami Dolphins. Who knows what they're going to do in terms of playing players, resting players, whatever. They also need one of the two teams, either the Buffalo Bills, who go to Miami to play the Dolphins. There's a lot on the line there because the AFC East is still up for grabs. Or the Jacksonville Jaguars who go to the Tennessee Titans. One of those two teams has to lose, and then the Steelers are in, but they have to win. The Steelers still have to win their game as well. So we'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens in terms of the time of these games next week. The NFL has not released the day, like they know the day, but the time of the game, they don't know. You know, for instance, will all these teams be playing at one o'clock, or will the the Buffalo Miami game be at four o'clock or eight twenty at night? Like oh, you just don't know. That's that's going to be the night game. I bet you anything. So this is going to be interesting, Dave. Do you like the Steelers' chances? You know what? Not really, but at the same time, I mean, you forget there's one other scenario. If the Colts and Texans tie, <laughs> then the Steelers get in because neither of them won. Uh, that's yeah. another one. But uh, so it's so you're saying there's a chance. Now, you know what? I don't like that the, these other things have to fall a certain way. I don't like having to look at other scores. I just want the Steelers to to finish on the right note. My goodness, they're playing like a team that could win in the postseason. Now they weren't during that three game skid, and you're like they don't deserve to be there unless they start playing better. And now that now they are. Unfortunately, it's not all in their hands. But what they have to do is take care of their part and go into Baltimore and get a W, go 5-1 and one in the North. That would be great. But they have to do their part because I don't want them to miss out simply because they come up short. Yeah. Brian, what's your take? You like their chances? You know, I was rooting for the Ravens today, which is a dirty feeling. I took a Silkwood shower afterwards, but uh, they they had to win like that to give the Steelers a chance next week. And they're still going to be a, a tough team to play in Baltimore. But the, the, the game that scares me the most now is Miami and Buffalo because you've got some injuries there well, in Miami. Yeah. But, but Miami's playing for the AF. They're playing for a home field game. Yeah. And yeah, but how easy. beat up is Tua and Bradley Chubb? Looks like he's got an ACL. But I mean, so but yeah, but it's still, scary. Miami's Miami's got to do what they can do to win that game, or else they got to go on the road to start in the playoffs. They're, yeah. Then they're a wild card yep. team. It's so still that's scary. a big one. That's a yeah. big, it's, no, it's scary, but it's not impossible. And, and Buffalo is not playing. I mean, they beat New England today, but it wasn't like they blew their By doors six. off. It was. They didn't have a lot of offense. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there down in Miami, but we'll talk about that. Let's talk about the Steelers, though. They put up over 400 yards of offense. They put up 30 points for the second straight week, and Steeler fans around the globe are like, what is this? Who is this team that we're watching? This was not just the quarterback. Let's make that very clear. Like This was the Steelers' offensive line that was dominating. Dave, let's start there. Let's talk about the... Let's talk about the offensive line first. What were your thoughts on that group up front? I thought that just all around they were doing a great job. Some people were saying, oh, well, this just kind of goes to show what this line's built for. They can block really well against the run, but not so much against the pass. I'm sorry. They gave up, what, one sack on, mm -hmm. on the day? And especially yeah. in the first half, I noticed more than anything, Mason Rudolph had forever to throw Yep, in that early in the game. So to me, that just goes to show how well the offensive line 
was getting things done. And of course, the the, the running backs are running great as well. But I, I was saying to my to my brother-in-laws who I, who I watched the game with that look at that. Najee Harris just got five five yards. He fell forward for two yards, but the entire offensive line is three yards down the field. The whole that's the surge that I like to say all the time. They were getting a three-yard surge. It's, I mean, now at the end, when they everyone knew they were running and they're sending corners from the other side to track stuff down and things like that, that made it a little bit more difficult because it was just a numbers game that they didn't have the numbers. But my goodness, whenever there was any kind of well, and then, then the Steelers made the brilliant call throwing it to, to Pickens on that first down play after the after the onside kick because of how committed Seattle was to stopping the run. But whenever it wasn't obvious they were running the football. Even a few times when it was obvious, but the potential to throw was still there, the Steelers were running the ball at will. It was great. The offensive line, I thought, did a very nice job, especially left tackle Cole Holcomb. Oh, my um, gosh. <laughs> That's so funny. That was people were sending me that on Twitter. That on Twitter, they were sending me that nonstop. Like poor yeah. Cole Holcomb, like the dude's on injured reserve, and they I put him as the what we're talking about. I know what we're talking about. Yeah, and he deserves a game check because they kept calling his name. Oh no! Well, they didn't call us. They they, they put a graphic of the oh. Steelers' offensive line, and for left tackle, they had a picture and name of Cole Holcomb. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that yeah. still gets you that gets you a game check in my mind. Yeah, Brian. But, uh, okay, sorry, yeah, Dave, great yeah. job by the line. Brian, your thoughts on the offensive line? That was the first thing Mike Tomlin really had to say in his post-game press conference, and he was absolutely correct. You know, they were able to run the ball well. Now, I am going to say this, and everybody's going to correct me, but the Steelers got three touchdowns on the ground today, not the two. Um, actually, it looked like they had almost four touchdowns on the ground today because Najee Harris looked like he could have had another one at the end and he slid oh. down at the yeah. very end. Yeah. So the, the offense, somebody said in the live chat earlier that that cost the championship for their fantasy league or something like that. Cause Najee didn't score the touchdown. Cost Najee doesn't first, care about cost me first place in our FanDuel this week. I ended it? up with second. If he scores that touchdown, I end up getting all the money. Yeah. yeah you, you know what? That's not one of my favorite things that, uh, that teams do. It's an unselfish thing to do, but at that point you could run it in, you're uh, you're running out the clock anyways with that 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 would give you a huge lead. I would have loved for him to have taken it in just to have that extra little bit of stat, but that's neither here nor there. But that just shows how dominant that line was. But I've got to say, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, they were breaking tackles. They were they were getting uh yards after contact like crazy yeah and i think when you think about the you look at the numbers you look at the box score i mean the offensive line was paving the way they, they ran all over seattle 24 passes by mason rudolph to 46 carries as a team Najee harris with 27 122 yards a four and a half yard average jalen warren 13 for 75 a five and a half yard average Warren had a touchdown. Najee had two. They both had 23-yard long runs. We talked about the offensive line first for a reason. These guys ran all over them. And I got to be honest, there were some some plays where 
Jalen Warren and Najee Harris could be up for the angry run of the oh, week by gosh. Kyle Brandt because they were stiff arming. It was they were tough to bring down. This is what at least I envisioned when I thought about what when I constantly was saying we don't need an and either or proposition here. It's it's both. They they can use them both. They can both be effective. It's exactly what happened. Dave, what are your thoughts on the running backs? Um, yeah, they just. I love that you said about the whole angry runs, the stiff arms. The Mike, that one Jalen Warren one where he got flung around and oh, yeah. spinning all over the place. And I, I, what what did he do? Go from the from from the twenty five to the forty eight on the one play with all that. It, it was fantastic. Just it was so exciting to watch. Just to sit back and have the confidence that that those kind of things were going to happen and that the Steelers could could kind of really do things either way. Mason Rudolph will get to eventually, but he didn't have to do anything absolutely amazing because the Steelers were really able to, to lean on the running game. But yet then they could still do the other stuff that they needed to as well. It was really great to see that all around. I thought that not, it wasn't just because the offensive line did a job, plus I have to give, give props because that play where Najee Harris got pushed into the end zone for the touchdown, that was the three tight ends. That was Washington, Frermuth, and Hayward that were right there pushing him in and him fighting as well. But they they fought hard. They played hard. Just, you know, do it for one more week now. That was fantastic. Yeah. Brian, what's your take on the running backs? Yeah, well, I think these guys have a great friendship, uh, or at least I like to uh, imagine that they do. But I, I see them on the sidelines together, and I, I think it's like, all right, hold my beer. You just did that. I'm going to go ahead, and uh, I'm going to one-up you. And I, I think they uh, they talk about it on the plane ride home. It's like, all right, I saw what you did with that that stiff arm, but did you see mine? Did you see what I did here? It, it feels like they were doing amazing things in this game. But I want to alter I, – I like what Dave said, and I get it, but – Mason had a phenomenal game, and we're going to talk about that. But the thing about it is when you you still have the threat of him passing, and he set the tone early that he was passing the ball well, which meant that you could not you could not just uh, focus completely on those running backs. So Mason's passing also helped open up the game for the RBs as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it all worked together. This is one of those games where you kind of look at it and say, wow, like the, the plan worked. The plan that they had in place, that they came into this game thinking we should be able to move the ball on the ground against this team. Devin Bush is going to be playing a large role on that defense on the interior, so let's run it right at him. Let's run it down their throat. They were not a good rush defense even before Devin Bush had to be inserted into the lineup more than he had been, and this just goes to show you that – the Steelers' offensive line is capable. But let me say something I forgot to mention about the offensive line. More bad snaps again. Again, Mason Cole struggling in the shotgun. Makes you wonder, and this was asked in Mike Tomlin's post-game press conference, if they're not saying, like, we need you under center, Mason Rudolph, more because the snaps in the shotgun are just not getting there. So, I know. Uh, we're kind of stating the obvious, but I did want to mention that not everything was was sunshine and rainbows for the offensive line, in my opinion. Now, 
Let's go to the quarterback. It's hard. It's weird when we go to the quarterback this late, but Mason finishes 18 of 24, very efficient game, 274 yards and 11.4 average, no touchdowns, no interceptions, one sack, eight yards. And he finishes with a 112.2 rating. Uh, Dave, you brought up the sack and the Seattle defense was given just two quarterback hits on the day. So Dave, what do you think about the quarterback? Wow. Yeah. And one of them was that sack. Yes. Wow. Um, first of all, I thought the pass protection was great, but when it yep. came to Mason Rudolph, I liked his decision-making. The, the only thing you I, I would want to criticize is the one play he got sacked, and it was probably because he had pressure a little bit faster than normal. He did have a wide-open Jalen Warren over, on the, over to his left side. But I don't know that he made it that far with the progression. It... it they did get to him faster than they had at other times, but he still had time um, on that play. I thought all in all, he was very responsible with the ball and yet took some shots. There were some plays that I thought that there was no way that the, the receiver was going to catch the ball. That one to George Pickens, I oh, thought, man. oh, we put it out too far in front of him. Nope. He came up with it. That one to, I think, Deontay Johnson. Oh, that's too high. Nope. He went up, put it down. Um. So think about it. only six incompletions, only six incompletions. And I mean, one of them was a throwaway um, on that third down and goal where it was, hey, you know, don't, you know, gotta, gotta have, gotta go up two scores. If you can't get the touchdown, we'll take the three, but we'll go for it. He was covered. He threw it out of the end zone, you know? So you got to think about it just to try to come up with the incompletions because he was very efficient, but that's, that's what a running game can really give you I, I just thought in all um just stood tall didn't bail on the pocket I, I mentioned this I can't remember what it was if it was stat geek or if it was or if it was last minute thoughts people and years ago complained oh Mason Rudolph is a statue in the pocket well you know what the problem is we've seen from our, the other two quarterbacks on this roster that they bail on it too soon I'd rather him stay too long then bail too early because he would allow the, the routes to develop. We saw it even more last week than we even did this week. So in all, I liked it. Mason Ruff stays in there, stands tall, delivers the ball, did what he had to do. Quick question, Dave, and it's a yes or no. And I know you hate yeah. that because you hate when I, when I pin you into, you got to give me one of these. All right. Is there still a quarterback debate, even if Kenny Pickett is healthy? Yes or no? No. All right. Thank you, Brian. Let's go to you. Let's talk about the quarterback play. What do you think of Mason Rudolph? I'm going to answer the same question. No. Okay. Very good. And I, this is what I thought of Mason Rudolph. Simply put, we said all along that in, even in those bad losses in the, uh, that the Steelers had a chance in those games, if they just had decent quarterback play. So a lot of that was Mitch. A lot of that was Kenny. So they they got more than decent quarterback play the last two weeks. So there is no controversy. My question last week was, is this sustainable? Well, it was for the second for at least the second game. It looks sustainable. They went against a team that has some very good defenders as well. You know, Devin Witherspoon's going to be great. You have Bobby Wagner, who is potentially a Hall of Famer, you have you just have a very good team. Oh, in fact, 
isn't Bobby Wagner a Super Bowl MVP, if I'm not mistaken? You know, you have, uh, I believe he is, actually. But that's something we might have to look up. But all I know is that they went, and I never really felt like this game was in doubt on the offensive side of the ball. When you see them punt late in the third for the first time, that's pretty amazing. And it's not because they were turning the ball over. They were clean turning the ball over. And that's what we heard about Kenny Pickett. At least Kenny doesn't turn the ball over. Well, Mason, for the second week in a row, wasn't turning the ball over either, and he was passing well. Am I bailing on Kenny Pickett for 2024? No. But I'm bailing on Kenny Pickett for the first game of 2024, not the 2024 season, but in January of 2024, I'm going with Mason Rudolph right now. This is the guy that could win it for you right now. And even if they make the playoffs, you've got to stick with Mason Rudolph at this point. Yeah, I think that the quarterback hold debate, I don't think there is one anymore. I think that you stick with Mason Rudolph, regardless of Kenny Pickett. And I'm sure that if I'm, if I'm the Steelers, they're going to continue to slow play Pickett in practice and maybe still have him limited and questionable at the end of the week. You know, that's just how they're going to probably play things. To because they can't. Yeah, they can. And it's to protect their first round draft pick. And then they'll deal with everything else in the offseason whenever that comes. But Mason Rudolph has, has done nothing even remotely negative in the, in his two starts. He's everything that he's done has been poised. He's been yeah, I feel like he he looks like he just knows the offense and he should. He's been in that offense for a long time, longer than anyone else on the roster. And uh it's a situation where he's really just He's taking care of business. He's doing what we hoped Mitch Trubisky would do with his second chance. He's actually taking care of business. Want to make sure Mason gets a little shout out. All right, let's talk about the receivers. Two is a pattern. What's that? Two is a pattern. Like Tomlin says, two is a pattern. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the receiving core. Jorjito Pickens, uh, seven catches on nine targets for 131 yards. He didn't score a touchdown, but he averaged 18.7 yards per catch. Deontay Johnson, four catches on four targets, 76 yards, 19-yard average, long of 42. I will say Deontay Johnson got really lucky on that fumble on the sideline that he was out of bounds when he touched the ball. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, welcome to the party, Pat. He gets three (laughs) catches on four targets for 44 yards. Jalen Warren has four catches for 23 yards. For a total of 274, they averaged 15.2 yards per catch as a team. Dave, what do you think about the pass catchers? Well, a couple things. Only four players got targets. Yeah. Now, I'm surprised they didn't count that as a target to Allen Robinson when Rudolph threw it into the second row. It's probably better (laughs) because no one had a chance at that ball. But that's who we threw it in the general direction of. But they they just did what they had to do. I mean, no Najee Harris catches either. So. But, you know, Pat Fermi got involved, but, you know, throw it to the guys who are open. Throw it to the guys that that are going to make plays. I like it. And before I get on, because we're talking about the pass catchers, I'm giving kudos to George Pickens for blocking the final player for Jalen Warren to get to the end zone. He was two weeks late, but he <laughs> made the block on the last guy before Jalen Warren scores that touchdown. So thank you, George Pickens. Very nice job all around for that reason. 
Yes, he had a fumble that luckily went out of bounds. Deontay Johnson had the fumble that luckily he touched while he was standing out of bounds. You know what? Sometimes it's just how the ball bounces. It's an oblong ball. You never know what's going to happen. Um, and you get sometimes you have good bounces, sometimes you have bad bounces. Well, the Steelers got two favorable bounces on those two plays. I'm not going to count that against those guys. Um, 119 yards of yak, according to the Steelers media website. Um, so that that's a positive there as well. Um, just an all around good job. Absolutely. Brian thought on the pass catchers inspired. And I think that goes back to the comments that you saw from George Pickens after Mason Rudolph's game last week. You know, a lot of people thought with George Pickens that, okay, he has 195 yards against Cincinnati. Now he's going to revert back and you're going to have problems. No, when you target the guy, he gets more inspired. Is that, is that immaturity in a way? Yes, but you want to find him. If you have a player like that, you need to feed him. You need to let him go out and, and get that ball. And you found out how inspired he was when Dave was talking about the pass that Mason Rudolph threw, that there was no way that was going to be a completion. George Pickens made that happen. So they were playing on another level tonight that you don't see because of inspiration. Yeah, I think that's I think it's fair. Uh, there's definitely a different feel about the Steelers offense. It almost has the feel of we can actually do this. We can actually move the ball. We can actually find the open players. Uh, there's always going to be players that are missed. Davey brought up how Jalen Warren was open in the flat um, on that one specific sack. I think that was on a third and five coming off a timeout. But still, there's always going to be those types of situations. But it, when they were happening a lot with the prior two quarterbacks. So there's hope. There's hope not just in the Steelers' playoffs, but there's also hope in the fact that the Steelers' offense can actually get the job done. Um, let's get to some super chats here before we take a break and talk about the defense. Uh, Evgeny Crosby gives us $5. Has Mike Tomlin cost us this year? He waited too long to put Mason Rudolph in. He gets no credit from me. Dave, you want to say something? You know what? I'm really tired of it. I really am. I, I, I'm Fans threw a fit last year when Mike Tomlin had Mason Rudolph number two on the depth chart. So much so they had to make up some cockamamie story about the cut and paste component and a clerical error. And now, oh, Mike Tomlin had Mason Rudolph buried a third on the chart. No. People and, and the politics of the Steelers got Mason Rudolph pushed aside. Okay? Mike Tomlin wasn't putting him there to start. All that other crap did. So you want to blame Mike Tomlin and blah, blah, blah. You're going to blame Mike Tomlin if the Steelers win the Super Bowl. So just go away. All right. Brian, do you want to add anything? Dave, <laughs> I got to tell Sorry. you, Dave, come on. That was harsh, but not harsh enough. Uh, come on. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. We want to keep on coaching. We want to keep on saying that we're coaching, but come on. You know, there is a progression to things. You, you don't bench a guy after he comes in cold against Arizona. You go through a progression. I would have possibly liked to have seen a change uh, before the uh, before the Indianapolis game, but come on, you're not doing it before then. So, yeah. just, uh, you, you know, I would have liked to have seen him sooner myself. I do, but at the same time, Mason Rudolph got pushed aside, and people want to blame it all on Mike Tomlin, and I don't believe that was the case. So, yeah, there you go. 
All right. Kyle Smith gives us five dollars. His debate quarterback all you want, but this is finally quarterback friendly ball. Dominant running game, clean pockets, turnovers, free receiver. Either quarterback could operate this offense. It's fair. The way the offensive line yeah. played today, that's yeah. probably a true statement. Tom plays games. Tom Muir gives us $9 dollar per W. Here we go. Steelers. Mason needs to start again next week. Back-to-back 30 point games. GP George Pickens for 100 plus and back-to-back weeks, et cetera. Yeah. Numbers don't lie. Go ahead. Dave. Steelers scored more points combined the last two games with Mason Rudolph than they did the previous five games combined. Wow. That's interesting. Justin Gall gives us $9.99. Just proof that winning is all between the ears. No fancy scheme. Just I'm going to bite your face off and you're going to like it. <laughs> wow. That's like some Dan Campbell stuff right there. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good Sean one. Man- Sean Manahan, $2. What about that stiff arm Najee had? Najee had a great stiff arm, but so did Jalen Warren. They both had some yeah. really good stiff arms. Afton Ford gives us $5. Loved the offensive chemistry and George Pickens blocking and celebrating with Jalen Warren. That was satisfying. Yeah. It, it, right it, again, this is when things are going well, you would expect this type of behavior. Uh, Crystal Privet gives us $2. Says Mike T, 17 years, never a losing season. Love him. Yeah. It, it doesn't come without his warts, but every coach has their yeah. warts. So it is a non losing season if you just now realize they've won their ninth game. All right, let's go to Dave Dixon. $5. Media and team seem hesitant to crown Mason. Dude is creating splash, getting yards, and W's. What's the deal? I don't know if anyone's desiring someone to be crowned. I know I'm not. Um, I'm just trying to see the Steelers win their last three Where's games. the jersey, Jeff? Where's the jersey? Oh, what was I supposed to do? If he, if he Wear it again if he wins? Yeah. Oh, it's up in the closet. <laughs> upstairs, upstairs yeah i had to wear my, my kids may try to wear the same exact thing i wore last week they said, you gotta wear it all right crystal privy is another two dollars naj earned his fifth year option a 30 a little something too yeah i mean i, I don't know what the, the steelers are going to have a, a decision to make on Najee harris we'll see what they do frank bennett gives us five dollars i was there front row on the 50 last week and rudolph looked legit i was not there front row i saw it from my couch but he did look legit i saw that from my own couch uh, let's see it. Jeremiah, no clue. Not even going to try. Brian, do you want to try that name? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Anos Hidayabib. 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 That you... sounds good. $5. Thank you very much. I'd like phonetics for 500 Alex. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's me. <laughs> Jeremiah says Mason, number one. Pickett, number two. Mitch. Well, just keep him off the field, please. Exactly. I think yeah. that once Kenny is healthy, that he will probably be the backup quarterback. Andrew Palladino gives us $10. His Rudolph had the chess pieces around him, no doubt. But you can't undermine the fact that Rudolph was clutch when he needed to be. Over 560 yeah. yards in two games, over 11 yards per pass, 75 completion percentage. <clears throat> Very good, Andrew. Thank you for those stats. Very good. Potentially the last games of his career. Can't hold anything back. No. He didn't. He Heath Davis gives us two dollars. Said would be, would be twelve and four if we played Mason before Mitch. Oh, would we be twelve and four if we played Mason before Mitch? There's a chance. There's a chance. Uh, Well, I'll tell you what. I don't know if we'd be twelve and if the series would be twelve and four. But instead of uh, nine and seven, I think they'd be at least ten and six, and that would put them in a much different spot. Yes. Tom plays games, $17. Thank you, Tom Murray. said, love him, hate him, or somewhere in between. But Coach Tomlin has 17 consecutive winning seasons after tonight's win, and he did it with this staff and this roster. 
So yeah, kudos. I, I still don't like that. I don't think Mike Tomlin likes that stat. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's I, I don't like it. That. It's just just go out and make yeah. the postseason. This junior, I think, gives us four ninety nine. Says if Mason starts, how do you have that talk with Pickett? If Pickett starts, how do you have that talk with Pickens? He has immaturity, but he has it. Well, I don't think they're going to have to have that talk with anyone. I mean, I mean, Kenny Pickett's been around the game long enough that when a guy puts up thirty points, his offense puts up thirty points. He's not turning it over. He's making good decisions. You're going to have to roll with it. I don't think there has to be that difficult of a conversation. So, all right. Let's take a quick break. If you're watching live on YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook, you're not, we're not going anywhere, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the defense and our final thoughts. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, Steeler fans, welcome back. Second half, we are talking about the defensive performance, which it was hit or miss. It was hit or miss at times. It was bend, don't break almost to the max uh, in one key play. Let's talk about the play right off the bat. I got to be honest. So we're talking about the Nick Herbig strip sack. So right before that play, I had tweeted out, this would be a great time for a TJ Watt strip sack. Well, I, I got the wrong Wisconsin Badger, but next the next play, Nick Herbig gets that play. Dave, <laughs> what was your reaction when uh, when you saw the, the strip sack and the recovery? Okay, well, I was in the game thread on SteelCurtNetwork.com, and I just said, I just typed it in. I said, the Steelers have no sacks and no takeaways. It's time for them to get one. And what do you know? As soon as I said that, because it's funny, my brother-in-law was on the couch like, this is when they'd play Renegade if it was a home game, isn't it? I said, absolutely. <laughs> and as soon as I typed that in and hit enter, they get both. They get the sack and the takeaway on the same play. Herbig just, see, and that's what's important with getting that rotation of getting those guys in occasionally, um, because I, I don't think there's a huge drop-off to Marcus Golden and Nick Herbig, almost said Nate, sorry. They do a fantastic job. And man, coming in at that stage of the game in the fourth quarter and having somebody that quick and rested, he was like shot out of a cannon to get back there. 
That was a huge play. The Steel, it would have been great if the Steelers would have put that one in the touchdown zone, but just going up two scores was the most important thing in that in that scenario. Yeah. But fantastic Absolutely. play. It really, it really kind of sealed the deal. Brian, thoughts on the uh, that that play at all? Anything? Oh wow. I like shot shot out of a cannon. He is such an inspired guy. I had an opportunity to see not just Nick, but Keanu Benton after the Tennessee game, just in the parking lot. And the way they act on the field is the way they act in the parking lot, signing autographs for kids, just running around, just being happy with life, being inspired. And Nick seems to be the guy that just wants a full-time opportunity and he's not going to stop being who he is as uh, who he is as a rookie in year 10. He just seems like that guy that just has that motor is here's how he's uh, just another guy, but goes in and proves it every single time. I'm glad that he's not on the field all the time because you've got Watt and Highsmith, but you know that, if you lose one of those guys, you've got a very good player, not just in him, but Marcus Golden. But wow, that was uh, that was a game clincher right there. So the pass rush, man, I felt like the Steelers were just so close on so many yeah. times. Like yeah. Geno Smith, his pocket presence was out of this world in this game. He would drop yeah. back to pass. You see Watt Highsmith bearing down, like, okay, here we go. They're going to get him. And it just, ah, right right out of their grasp all the time. I did love it. How, um, who was the guy on the color in this call? I'm not very familiar with the Fox guys. Vilma? Who was doing? Yeah. Jonathan Vilma, when they replayed, when TJ wild got left, the left the field kind of gimpy and they showed the replay and he goes, wow, uh, TJ's really being held there as he gets tackled <laughs> to the ground. Yes. And they don't throw the flag. I understand why TJ Watt gets so pissed off because it's, it's gotta be frustrating, but the pass rush in general, what did you all think about that? Dave, we'll start with you. Yeah, did you, did you realize that Marcus Golden had three quarterback hits and Keanu Benton had two? Wow. I yeah. saw him on Travis Adams in the backfield a lot. Yeah, he was back there. He was getting back there as well. Um, they were they were just around. And, of course, it was really frustrating. The one time – I say the one time. It wasn't the only time. But it sticks out as the one time. T.J. Watt makes a move inside, then Geno Smith – scrambles outside of that and and runs and gets a first down and cuts the whole way back across the field and goes out of bounds to the other side. So it's just like it just went to show how on that one play how much TJ Watt had to continue to stay in his lane in order to control the pocket because they weren't always getting home. They they only got home the one time. They weren't getting home. They had lots of hits, but except for that one exception that I can think of they were taking that part of the game out of the game of the, of the quarterback scramble. Uh, that's sometimes what you have to do in order to make sure you contain the quarterback is that you just, you have to, you have to maintain your spot, which therefore makes it a little bit more difficult to beat your guy when you can't just take any path to get to the quarterback. But uh, I, I think it was intentional. Um, and you're right, Jeff, they were right there so many times. But, uh, hey, getting the one when they got it in the key moment, you, you can't knock that at all. No, not not at all. Brian, thoughts on the pass rush? Well, I, I thought it was electric. They were going after it. And 
even it's it's funny to see they forced errors without getting sacks and tj watt did not have a sack in this game it, it felt like he was being held a whole heck of a lot but the thing for me on tj is even when he was rushing the passer and they weren't passing he was making things happen uh, he was running guys down He's electric when he doesn't get a sack. I saw, I think it was Brian Brown that that put something uh, up there, which uh, echoes what I say all the time in Bold and Bizarre predictions. They Miles Garrett got a uh, a half a sack on that Herbig one just because he was in the same country. I love that quote from Brian Brown. That's funny because he is Defensive Player of the Year. It doesn't matter what TJ does. That's true. That is very true. So when you look at the rest of the stat line for the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, um, Geno Smith finishes 23 of 33 for 290 yards, 8.8 yard average. He did throw a touchdown to Jackson Smith Najigba. I was sacked one time for a 106.9 rating. Had a great game. I thought he was really good. DK Metcalf, that guy is built like a freaking linebacker. Uh, Five catches on eight targets for 106 yards. Noah Fant, the tight end. Uh, five for 59. Wasn't he the pick that, that the Denver Broncos selected with in 2019 when they traded with him for to get Devin Bush? That's yes. correct. And yeah, he was most was, likely, most likely the Steelers pick. That was pick 20. That would have been the Steelers. In that, That's what I that thought. Draft. That's what I thought. Zach, which Charbonnet, really should have been Jermaine Pratt, but oh, well, yeah. Zach Charbonnet <laughs> had five catches for 39 yards. Colby Parkinson, two for 38. Kenneth Walker, three for 22. I mentioned Smith and Jigba had his one catch for a touchdown. Tyler Lockett, this is important, one for 10. They held him yeah. to 10 yards receiving. Five uh, targets. It was, it was Ben, don't break here. What did you all think about the pass defense? Dave, we'll start with you. Yeah, you, you knew it was going to struggle because of, you know, missing seven players in the middle of the field in four safeties and three linebackers. And yet the Steelers did well enough. Honestly, to me, you you knew this was kind of how it was going to be with the Steelers. They were going to give up the passing yards because of of, of just the, the hand that they're dealt right now with the personnel they have to put on the field. I was surprised that Levi Wallace didn't get burned a bunch in this game. I thought they would go after him a ton and I, he's especially when it looked like the ball was being thrown in his direction, he seemed to be up to the challenge. I think the one passing touchdown came. It was James Pierre who was in because Joey Porter Jr. was out trying to get back on the field, you could see, and they held him up because of the time of trying to get out there. And then they give up the touchdown on third down. I'm pretty sure it was third down. Oh, well. But uh, I thought for what they were trying to do and trying to piece together, I'm you don't see Patrick Peterson out there a ton and that's not necessarily a bad thing he's just out there getting the getting the job done I didn't have a lot of expectations for this secondary I thought that Seattle would be able to throw the ball a lot but the key was they this was happening with the Steelers offense also scoring points so therefore it was good enough Brian what's your take on the pass defense how does a guy like DK Metcalf, I know he was banged up a little bit, but not have 300 yards against this team? How does he not set records against the Pittsburgh Steelers with as depleted as they are? Guys step up, and they have stepped up in this situation. Eric Rowe, is he going to make the team next year? We're not talking about next year. Right now, 
he's one of the most important guys on the field. I like what Dave said about Patrick Peterson. He's he has uh, he seems to find his natural late career position, which could probably extend him a lot, extend his career. I'm not talking about extending him in Pittsburgh, but probably. So you know, it's one of those things for me that this is not next man, man up. It's next, next, next man up, and it's it's happening and it's working. And there's got to be a culture that we thought that was completely ruined and gone just three, four weeks ago, culture seeping into these guys on the field. So when we bring that up to these players, they're probably saying a whole lot different than all of us in the media and in Steeler nation are saying. Very interesting. Yeah. I I thought this, I thought Joey Porter jr. I don't know if they had him travel with DK Metcalf the entire game. Uh, but not when they were not when they were in zone, you could yeah, tell, yeah, right? Obviously. No, but if, hey, DK Metcalf, that he's gonna give you everything that you have and then some. And Brian, to answer your question, I don't know how he doesn't have 300 yards against every team. The dude is yeah. like a literal freak of nature. The guys that big shouldn't be able to move that fast. It's just not it's not supposed to happen. But nonetheless, the Steelers defense does the thing. The one part of the defense I think frustrated a lot of fans early on was the running defense. Kenneth Walker was running all over the Steelers, but they that just guy's good. He is very good. They just oh. couldn't get anything going. Kenneth Walker finishes 10 carries at 53 yards. Geno Smith has three for 33. Charbonnet has two for two yards. Uh, they've rushed for 88 yards on 15 carries. They averaged 5.9 yards per carry. They did have a touchdown. Kenneth Walker scored. But like I said, there was a time where I think Steelers fans were looking around like, oh my gosh, what's going on? They're going to run all over us. And Kenneth Walker was banged up a little bit, but Dave, what did you think about the rush defense? Yeah, well, that it seemed like it was the second quarter. How, how many yards? How many rushing yards did the Seahawks have for the game? Total eighty-eight. Forty-nine of them were in the second quarter. Oh wow! So forty-nine of the eighty-eight yards were in the second quarter, and mainly on that one drive when they went when they drove down and, and scored the touchdown. So I mean, I mean, think of that—they had five rushing yards in the first quarter. They had thirty-three in the third quarter. And because of the way the game went, one in the fourth quarter. And that Walker was out of the game. Um, so that it was really just the second quarter. I don't know if the Steelers did the quote unquote halftime adjustment, because I talked about that before. The coaches are the ones that are trying to adjust at halftime. That's why Peyton Manning doesn't remember there being any halftime adjustments. But the, it, it was better. I don't know how it would have played out if, if Walker would have been able to go the whole time. Uh, it's hard to say, but the Steelers grabbing the lead really does help that run defense as much as anything. Brian, thoughts on the uh, run defense? Wow. I am shocked that uh, they only put up 85. I I thought Kenny Walker was going to run all over them as well, and I know he was banged up. It just seemed like this this defense did so much more than what I thought they were capable of. Yeah, it, it's it, this was a weird one. I mean, it was it was a bend don't break to the max. Like I said, I mean, it just felt like every single drive the Steelers were giving up the yards. You kind of knew they were going to give up the yards. You just had to wonder was the red zone defense going to stand tall in a matter most. Dave, do you want to say something? Oh, I was going to say, well, I just find it interesting that you know the two practice squad guys combined had eighteen tackles. Eric Rowe had ten. Miles Jack had eight. The next most was Patrick Peterson and Larry Ogunjobi with three. 
Yeah. You know, so it's those two guys that really stepped up. Now, Devin Bush had 17 tackles for the Seahawks, but, you know, 12 of them were assists. And, I get, you know, I'm fine with him making tackles eight yards downfield. Um, but, yeah, just I got to ask, is it because he's wearing the number 16, but Miles Jack just looks so much smaller than last year. He looks he looks good. I mean, he looks like pre-injury Miles Jack, which is what yeah. we saw. I mean, people forget – how he was playing banged up last year. He had that groin injury. And I'm sorry that anyone that's ever injured that part of the body, that lateral movement just is not what it needs to be to play a position like linebacker. So I don't know. He looks good. He looks really good. So there you go. Um, all right, let's do uh let's any, any special teams notes. I was really frustrated why they kept on kicking it short. It seemed like, and, People on Twitter were saying, well, maybe Boswell doesn't have the leg. The BS, he doesn't have the leg. He was kicking out of the end zone. Then he kicks it high and short. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. But Dave, what you, was your takeaway? You didn't read Bob Labriola's interview with Mike Tomlin this morning, did you? I read what I had to about the quarterbacks and said, I can't believe you said that. And then I moved on with my life. Why? No, because he <laughs> talked about that in there. And Coach Tomlin says, sometimes what they even look to see and they said, and we might not even necessarily do it early. I don't know if he said early in the, the thing today, but if that's what it'll be in today. Sometimes you do that just to see if a team is actually gets a lot of penalties on kickoffs. Kick it a little bit short, see if they can actually do it clean. And they did. They didn't have any penalties on it. But uh, to me, two was enough. It shouldn't have been three. No, you're spotting them 10 yards. I mean, they were getting the ball at the 35 instead of the 25. That's 10 yards. So, um, any other uh, special teams thoughts, Dave? Um, one punt, one yes. punt. I like That's one punt. Forty-six yards. That's not bad. And it was inside the twenty. Fair cut. There you go. I'll take that one. Brian, any special teams thoughts other than Danny Smith's impressive gum chewing? <laughs> no, there. It was. Uh, they didn't make a. Uh, they didn't make a case for us to rip on them today, and. Uh, that's all you need. I mean, I I'm kind of tired of uh, knowing that your best bet is to start at the 20 or the 25 with these guys, because you don't expect them to do anything uh, magical, but I'm going to quote Dave Schofield, who likes to quote Mike Tomlin with, they didn't kill us. Yeah. What did Mike Tomlin say in the post game show today? Something about scared money, scared money. Don't make don't money. Make money. <laughs> yeah. So the last week too. Yeah. All right. We have some super chats to tend to before we do our final thoughts. Eric Askew gives us $5 said seeing the tight ends carry Naj to the end zone was a thing of beauty. Seeing Bush whiff was the icing on the cake. Now. And, and it was the Jalen Warren touchdown where Dan Moore just crushed him. Right. I, I, Devin who, Bush, Devin Bush. Yeah. There was yeah. a play where Broderick Jones pulled from the right side to the left side, and he absolutely annihilated someone. And it looked like a single-digit number. And I know that Devin Bush wears six, I think, now. No, he wears zero. Oh, he wears zero. It was. It might have been number six, but Broderick Jones yeah. literally planted that guy six feet under, and I just didn't know who it was. I was like, oh, my gosh, he just annihilated someone. So, all right, uh, Tyler W. gives us $2. Says, Dave, tell us more about Bush in this game. <laughs> <laughs> he had 17 tackles. 17 tackles. Good but, for him. Like I said, five, five, what was it? Five solo, 12 assists. In other words, Devin Bush was getting blocked and jumping on the pile at the end. There you go. Because they, because they couldn't, I mean, if you look at it here, give, give me, give me a second to, to bring it up so I can say it. 
the Seattle Seahawks, when you look at total tackles because of, you know, solos versus assists, they had 89 tackles in this game because they had 52 assists. They couldn't bring players down on their own. That 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 speaks a lot. Do you know how many assists the Steelers had? Nine. Nine yeah. assists for the Steelers, 52 assists. Now you could say, oh, that's because they're squirming to the ball. Not when you're running on them that much. Not when the team's running for 202 yards. You can't say that that was a good thing, that they were swarming the ball. It's because they yeah. couldn't bring the Steelers down one-on-one. There you go. Let's get uh CNOD gives us five ninety nine. Is that a euro? I think. Uh, well, he he said said, it's, yeah, from Austria. Happy New Year from Austria, which another shrimp on the bottom. There you go. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lovely accent you have. Sorry. <laughs> he said Najee touchdown was to midnight and first in 2024. Happy New Year to you, too. That's pretty Thank cool. you for checking That's really it out. Cool. From Austria. Hopefully you get the joke. If not, go watch the movie Dumb and Dumber. You won't regret it. You only need to watch like two minutes of the movie to actually see the joke. So there you go. And then uh, let's go. Last Kings of Scotland gives us $4.99. How ironic. The same people who wanted to run Mason out of town early in his career now think he is the quarterback going forward, doing the same to KP right now. Yeah. Don't do that to to him either. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm worried about the next game. That's it. Like I just want to see the Steelers win again and uh, see what they can do, and maybe they'll get some luck. There are some. There are some. Uh, I I did update a story for SteelCurtainNetwork.com that uh, there are some actual updated um, tiebreakers out there. So Dave, you mentioned that if Indy and Houston, if the Indy Indianapolis and Houston tie, the Steelers get in. The Steelers well, because, get in. The- but because right now they have identical records, right? So if they, yeah, and the Steelers win. If the Steelers um, win, the Steelers would be up on them by half a right. game each. Buffalo loses, Steelers win, they're in. Jacksonville the loses. Steelers if the Jacksonville the Jaguars game. lose or tie, they get in. If Pittsburgh ties and the Indianapolis Houston do not tie and Jacksonville lost, they get in. And then even with a Pittsburgh loss, if Indian Houston do not tie and Jacksonville lost plus a Denver win, actually gets them in. So I didn't realize it was because actually Denver a scenario. Needs, Denver needs to have the same record as the Steelers to help with tiebreakers. Right. So, but there's a, there's actually a scenario that if the Steelers lose, they could actually get in. And it's there all right is. there for you. At steelcurtainnetwork.com, we have the AFC playoff scenario for you. So go check it out. Steelcurtainnetwork.com. We hope that's one of your stops every single day for your latest and greatest Pittsburgh Steelers news. So, all right, let's, uh, let's do some final thoughts. Dave, we'll start with you. Yeah, I was trying to look in here and see if we've got the news yet of when the Steelers play next week. Uh, I'm calling it right now. They're going to be playing at 1 o'clock when God intended NFL football to be played on a Sunday because the Ravens have nothing to play for. I mean, if there was more than that, that both teams had something, it it, it would be a whole different scenario. But I don't care if – I don't care what Baltimore would have to do that they needed to to win for something or, or if there's nothing to play for. I don't care. I just want the Pittsburgh Steelers to go out there and play hard and win the game. It is just, I've been saying all season that the Steelers just need to stick around and keep doing well enough. And if they get on a roll late in the year, like they've done a number of times, all you got to do is just get in and see what happens. 
my goodness, did they wait even longer this year than they have in the past? It's only been the last two weeks, but it's been exciting to be a Steelers fan the last two weeks. It's been non-boring football to watch. I mean, my goodness, I rewatched the Cincinnati game yesterday while there was nothing else going on because it was exciting to watch. This is another good one to be able to do that. I, it's just nice to see an NFL caliber offense and the and offense and defense playing complimentary and then coming through with a victory. Just get it done next week, but for now, just take this one in, knowing that the Steelers are right there, and we'll just see what happens. All right. Brian, final thoughts. Yeah, you know, let's look at the NFL right now. And if we just look at the AFC, you've got a 13-3 and Ravens team. You've got two 11-5 and teams in the Browns and the Dolphins. And everybody else, including the Kansas City Chiefs, have at least six losses. And that's funny to me because there's usually a lot. Uh, there's usually a lot of four, five lost teams towards the top, and even better than that. And now it seems like uh, I remember times when a five loss team didn't make the playoffs. Now eight lost teams have opportunities to make the playoffs. It it seems like uh, the magic number is going to be seven this year. But the Steelers are right there with the Bills, even though the Bills have you know a win over, uh, not over them, but uh, they're ahead by a game in the standings. And then everybody else has the same. Now, those were uh, head-to-head losses to those three AFC South teams, but it's just one of those situations where parity is, is really, really bigger than ever. This is not my NFL from 19... 19- 96 you know this isn't the same type of thing everything is so different now these days and we talk about when mike tomlin gets the extends that record every season and then those who celebrate it i don't celebrate the record anymore but say oh you're just celebrating mediocrity but it seems like mediocrity is kind of the name of the game in the nfl if you're a kansas city chiefs fan right now This is probably one of the worst seasons you've seen a long time, and you're not feeling confident going into the playoffs. So let's just see where this goes. The only thing I'm thinking about right now is, like Jeff, I'm going to adopt that. I'm not thinking about 2024. I'm only thinking about January and February of 2024. I know February is not likely, but there's, let's quote Dumb and Dumber again, everyone likes to do it, so you think there's a chance. Well, they've got a chance. Gosh, I can't stop thinking about that line. You're saying there's a chance. (laughs) Come on. Just hit me with it. Like one in a million. So you're saying there's a chance. One of the greatest movies of all time. Nonetheless, my final thoughts are this. The Steelers win. And for a brief blip on the radar, radar the last two weeks, we've had, like Dave said, fun football. We've had games that have been enjoyable. And I love the fact that whether you bemoan the Steelers, always the mediocrity and stuff like that, I I, I think about the alternative of what would it be like to be a Jets fan that the season has been over for the last month. You know, we we at least have a game in week 18 that we get to watch and say, let's see what happens. Maybe they, maybe they get in as the seven seed and maybe they won't win a game, but you know what? At least it's meaningful football. 
because I say it all the time and I'll say it again. I've said it on my let's ride podcast I'll here too. The off season is so freaking long that all we do is say, gosh, how long until football is back? How long until football is back? So I've told myself this year and I've done it. I'm not going to piss away games. Even if they were meaningless, I'm going to enjoy these games because the off season is forever. So let's all enjoy it. Let's enjoy this win. Let's enjoy the last week, two 30 point outings for the Steelers. Let's enjoy the hell out of it. Let's hope for the best next week. And we'll be with you every step of the way at steel curtain network. Make sure you check us out. Steelcurtainnetwork.com. Hey, and check out fans sports.com for your general sports information. Some really, really great written stuff that's going on that website. Give it a shot. Check us out there. That's it. Steelers win. Dave. Have a happy and safe New yeah, Year's absolutely. Eve. Yes. Stay safe out there, Steelers fans. Gosh, don't be stupid. Call an Uber or a Lyft, whatever the hell you use, or, anyone. Call me. <laughs> or or Brian. Yeah, just so, yeah, just enjoy the hell out of it. Don't enjoy it too much, if you know what I mean. And we'll be back next week on another Steelers postgame show. In the meantime, take it easy. We'll see you. Everybody else gets a little tight.